You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good evening. Welcome to Metro Vision Studios. My name is Reese Kia Aina. Thank you so much for tuning in to our midweek service tonight. I hope you were encouraged by Grace's good news and all the different events that are going on in our congregation right now. And then most of all, I hope your faith was built uh, this evening through those baptisms. There's quite a few people who are studying the Bible right now. Let's pray for them. But uh, I look forward to teaching tonight on this topic, on discipleship. You know, as we head into the next couple months, as we head into the fall from September to December, one of the things I want us to be thinking about is this idea of discipleship, it, being trained by God, by Jesus, by the word, by men, by women. And and as you've noticed over the last couple of months, we've been just training in the Bible, getting getting knee deep into the scriptures, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals. We've been just spending so much time in the Bible, and I hope that has been encouraging you in your faith. So as we begin tonight, I'm super excited to teach about discipleship tonight from a Jewish context or from a Middle Eastern context, and I hope it'll it'll uh, encourage us, inspire us, and challenge, challenge us to, to follow Jesus even more closely than we've ever done before. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he was a teacher. He was a prophet. He was the son of God. Thank you for being a friend, a servant. And we pray for our Bible study tonight that it would encourage us, that, that we would be able to see different things about being a disciple that perhaps we've never seen before. And uh, help us to open our minds, our hearts, and our souls to your word that can feed us, nourish us. Uh, God, we love you. Thank you for being amazing and loving us with all your heart. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as I think about the term disciple, I've been a Christian, I've been a disciple for 28 years, and it, it has been in an adventure uh, and a journey. And there's been some major highs, but there's also been some major lows. Uh, some of the things I'm going to be talking about come from these sources. You know, I, I just I'm two weeks into my fourth semester of grad school right now uh, in my final semester. Uh, some of the sources that I've looked at to get some of this material has been. Uh, is this right here, sitting at the feet of Jesus, walking in the dust of Rabbi Jesus. When I first came to L.A. in August of 2012, uh, you know, Anthony Galang gave me this book as I was transitioning from Hawaii to here, and it's called Walking in the Dust of Rabbi. In, in the dust of Rabbi Jesus. And it's, it's learning about Jesus from a Hebraic perspective or a Jewish perspective and Jewish culture and, and Middle Eastern customs. And, uh, it's kind of opened my mind and opened my heart to learning about Jesus uh, in that setting. And it's been very, very encouraging. And, uh, another one, uh, a guy I've been looking at and learning from is this guy named, he's a teacher, uh, Ray Vanderlaan, he has a series called In the Dust of Jesus, as well as a book, David Bosch, that I'm looking at right now uh, in one of my classes called The Story of Mission, and it's about transforming mission. And a lot of the things I'm talking about today are co tonight coming from this, and so I hope this will encourage you. You know, this topic of discipleship is not new. It's an, it's an old tradition. Uh, in Mark chapter 2 and verse 18, look at this passage. It says, now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, 
How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? You know, in this passage, you get a chance, we get a chance to see three different sets of disciples. John had a group of disciples. The Pharisees had a group of disciples. And Jesus had a group of disciples. This idea of discipling or discipleship or being a disciple is not a new concept, you know. And I want to kind of take us back to kind of like uh, first century times where we can learn about this topic of discipleship and, and being a disciple of Jesus uh, in a from a Jewish context or a Hebraic perspective. Uh, there's this Dutch photographer that came up with a picture of perhaps what Jesus would have looked like at age 30. And by looking at his ethnicity through artificial intelligence, drafted a picture of perhaps what Jesus would look like uh, at age 30 when they take into consideration his ethnicity, the culture, and the time in which he lived in. And this is the picture they came up with. And you know, who does that look like? It looks like Angel Vasquez in our fellowship. I didn't know Angel and Jesus were related to one another. Uh, but this is a picture of perhaps what maybe Jesus looked like uh, from a Middle Eastern context at 30 years of age. And so look in Mark chapter one, as we read this passage right here, we, we've studied this passage for years, right? And in Mark chapter one and verse 16, it says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. We know this passage, right? We've looked at this passage thousands of times and it's, it's the, the calling of the first disciples where Jesus called, encountered Simon, Andrew, James, and John and basically called them to follow him and that he would, they would no longer be fishing for fish as which, what their op- occupation was, but that they would learn to fish for people. And then the Bible says in verse 18, at once they left their nets and followed him. And then going on further, you know, uh, uh, James and John were called and as they were preparing their nets and without delay, they left their father. And one of the questions that's always stumped me and I've always wondered throughout the years. And I know I've been taught that it was explained as the reason why they, they left their job and, and their trade and their occupation and they left their family behind was because it was such a high priority to be called by Jesus that they're being called to a purpose. And 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 I do believe that's partly true, but I, I kind of want to go into the world of Jewish culture and 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 look at things from much more of a Hebraic perspective. Now remember a couple of weeks ago I was talking about in some of the lessons about lessons from the desert, the difference between uh, looking at things from a Western perspective or lens versus an Eastern perspective and lens. And I want to stress, gang, that both are important. Okay. I want to stress that because it's easy to kind of learn things from a, a new perspective now and think that I'm saying that, oh, when you look at things from a Western perspective, it's wrong or it's not good. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying let's, let's be exposed though to different types of learning so that we can see the Bible from different aspects and try to get deeper meaning 
in it. And, and so that's what I've been learning. You know, I've been diving into things more from a Hebraic perspective so I can learn the custom. Remember, the, the Old Testament w- was written in a, in, in a time, in an ancient culture, and, and, and Hebrew was the language, you know, that was being used. And so when we jump into that world and learn things from their perspective, like when you look at this book, you're going to learn all about how G- Jewish words can literally change your life by understanding different types of Jewish words that the Bible is talking about. So I just want to make that clear, you know, that as we look at things from a Western and Eastern perspective, both are important, both are needed. And I hope this will deepen our knowledge of God and and our and deepen our faith as we learn things a little bit more from a Hebrew perspective. As we look at the word disciple in Mark chapter one, the Greek word for disciple is this word mathetes, which means student. And I've always known that, you know, uh, this idea of being a student, being being training under someone and learning. Now, when we look at it from a Western perspective or perhaps even a 21st century perspective, being a student like I'm in school right now. Right. It's easy to for me to look at being a student as I'm I'm trying to learn from a teacher to get a grade or to to just get knowledge, to be able to get enough information so that I can pass a course or or I'm just soaking in as much knowledge. And it's very academic. Uh, when we look at the word disciple from a Hebraic perspective, from an Old Testament perspective, it, it, it takes on kind of a, a whole new meaning of the word. And you kind of have to go back to the Jewish rabbinical system that, that Jesus was a part of to understand things from this kind of Hebraic perspective. So in the Jewish rabbinical system that was around before when Jesus came, uh, in the Hebrew, the, the Hebrew word for disciple is Talmid, which means student or, or disciple, right? And, and it's this idea of being a student and a group of students would be the word Talmudim, which is a group of students. And this Talmud, this idea of being a disciple is about relationship, but it's also about training. So academics is one thing, but relationship to the rabbi is super important. You know, it was all about being like our rabbi, not just getting information, but becoming like my rabbi, you know, walking with him, talking with him, being with him, traveling with him and and understanding things from a rabbi perspective. And that's the closeness and connection that a rabbi had with his student or students. But then the second part of this word Talmudim, which is, you know, a disciple is all about training that we're going to be under a rabbi or a teacher that was highly respected and our heart, mind, soul, uh, is going to, is going to take upon the teachings of this rabbi and the way they talk and live and understand things and that it's going to lead us toward great competence, you know, the, toward action in our lives or how to do the Bible basically from an Old Testament perspective. And so this is the idea. And, and so one of the sayings in, in, one of the blessings of uh, or a compliment that a rabbi could give a student is this right here is 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 this idea of may you follow your rabbi drink his words 
and be covered in his dust. And it carries the idea that you're following so closely to your rabbi that, that in that day and age, as a rabbi walked and his, his tamadim or his group of disciples were following him, the dust is kicked up and they're just covered in his dust because they, they're traveling and they're, they're following him with, with such close intent and passion and connection to be like their rabbi. So becoming a disciple in a Hebraic sense wasn't just about academics, although that was important. It was all about being like my rabbi, living. If a rabbi went to the bathroom, I'm going to go to the bathroom with the rabbi. So how did one become a disciple to train with a rabbi? And one of the things we're going to look at tonight is the Jewish rabbinical system. You know, this system of education where, where children would learn to train and be educated and, and to see if, if those who were gifted would be able to train to become a disciple under a rabbi. And so let's go to the first level of education called Bet Sefer, which was known as the house of the book, uh, from ages six to 12 years old. You know, the, the students there, the children there would, and just think about it. It's like elementary school, right? To just a little into the pre, just the preteens. Uh, they would learn to read, write, and memorize different parts of the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And the idea at this level was, you know, if you were gifted, you would be able to move on to the second level of education, which is called Bet Talmud. And this was known as the house of learning. And from ages 12 to 15 years old, uh, the students here would learn all about the Jewish art of question and answer, learning how to ask questions, learning how to answer questions. Uh, they would also learn the Tanakh, which is the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament uh, in Hebrew. And as they learned the Tanakh, you know, one of the things that is so impressive is, is, is how, much these kids could, could, could recite the Old Testament. You know, Tanakh comes, uh, if you take the letters of, of Ta, Na, and K, they, they form what is the Old Testament Bible. With Ta is the, is, is the word for Torah. Na is Navaim, which is the word for, uh, history and the prophets. And K is for the, the word for Psalms, Proverbs, and Job. And so the whole organization of the Old Testament would be called the Tanakh in Hebrew. And a, a fourth grader would understand this. And it's, it's probably, it's harder for us, you know, as Westerners to understand this kind of level of thinking and involvement and, and devotion to the scriptures as, as many of the, uh, Fourth graders would know something like this, but in, in this second level, you know, they would, they would ask questions and, and, and answer. And those who would excel would move on to the next. Those who are less gifted would find a trade. And so oftentimes you have students who are, who are training and, and, and being educated, but they would also find a trade like being a fisherman or a carpenter or a blacksmith. And, and we got a chance to see that the, uh, first four uh, men who were called to be disciples, their occupations were fishermen. They they were people who people who learned the, a trade, uh, and this level in, in Beth Talmud is is where they would learn all these things about the whole Old Testament. And look at Jesus, okay, at twelve years old. It says in Luke chapter two, verse forty six to forty seven. After three days, they found them in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers. 
listening to them and asking them questions. It, it's in the Beth Talmud phase of learning that Jesus was hanging out with teachers, you know, and, and asking them questions and answering questions and, and being involved with, uh, that group of men. Everyone in verse 47 who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And people were amazed at Jesus at 12 years old. That's the level of study and, 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 and heart that Jesus had as he was, uh, conversing with different teachers. The third level, if you were gifted enough and you move to the next level, the third level was called Bet Midrash, which was called the House of Study. And is between the ages of 15 to 30 years old. And it, this is a time when, as they kept studying for the next 15 years, right, they could apply for an apprenticeship with a local rabbi in a local synagogue. And so if they were chosen uh, as uh, out of this school of thought, uh, the gifted Children or teenagers, if you will, would apply for an apprenticeship and it would be on the job training, you know, learning, studying, watching, becoming, doing everything as a disciple would do to follow their rabbi. And it's in this stage where pretty much only the best of the best were chosen. And like I said before, you know, if you didn't cut it at this in terms of your level of education and, and academics and, and, and you weren't perhaps the best of the best, uh, you would go to a trade. And again, that, that is not a failure. That wasn't a failure to, to pursue being a trade and not pursuing being a rabbi because only the most gifted communicators and, and those who are involved in study and those who are extremely devoted would be able to move to this level of Bet, Bet Medrish, Midrash. And so in this third level of, of training, it's where the student became, uh, a Talmud or a disciple. And this gifted group of students or Talmudin would follow the rabbi 24-7 to learn how to live and breathe and act like him. It's, this is where their passion, everything about them would be involved in learning how to live and be and imitate their rabbi. You know, Jesus was known as a rabbi and he he started his ministry at 30 years of age. Most likely, at, after, you know, in his, in this level of education for him in this time period of 15 to 30 years old. In Luke 3.23, it says, now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. In John chapter 3 and verse 2, Nicodemus, you know, who was a Pharisee, addressed Jesus as rabbi. In Luke 10, a, a lawyer, or you know, an expert in the law, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus' teacher. He called him rabbi. And ask, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and one of the things that's so impressive about Jesus is, is men from all different walks of life looked at him and addressed him as a rabbi, as a teacher. So why did Simon and Andrew and James and John leave their job and trade and as well as their family behind? You know, scholars believe it's because Jesus chose them. And, and for, for someone who grew up in that educational system that perhaps went from, uh, you know, Beth Sefer to Bed Talmud, but perhaps didn't uh, get to the third level of education, Bed, Bed Midrash, you know, they understood, wow, that they were the ones being chosen. Jesus kind of broke tradition, if you will. And instead of a, uh, 
uh, a student going and looking for a rabbi in a local uh, synagogue, Jesus went to look for disciples himself. And so you can imagine that how special they felt to be chosen by a rabbi. And scholars believe that they just dropped everything because they were chosen. Think about this. If Magic Johnson chose you to be part of his organization, would you accept? I remember, you know, Susan A telling me a story before where she worked for Magic Johnson and how, how special that was to work in part of an organization like that. And think about different areas, you know, other areas of influence or, or like in business or computers or any kind of field, someone who is highly respected, they called you into that into their service like that, would you accept? And just like Jesus was a rabbi who, who, who these men un, who respected and understood called them and they went and dropped everything they had. In John 15, Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you, this is my command, love each other. And so these men were chosen to follow Jesus. And they dropped everything to follow Jesus. That was part of the makeup and part of the response because they would be called to live with him and to be with him 24-7. And so I hope that's encouraging to learn something like that. Well, how did Jesus train his disciples? In Mark chapter 3 and verse 13 to 15, it says, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12, designating them to be apostles, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Love this passage, because it gives us an idea that Jesus, when he called his apostles, and he calls his disciples, right, they, the two, they talked about two things. One is that they would be with him, and the second is that he would be able to send them out to preach and to to teach and to, to have the authority to drive out demons. And so one of the things that, that he trained them in, in order to be a disciple following Jesus, that they, they had to be with him and they had to learn together. And, and I want to talk about communal learning for a second. You know, as I finish up my degree and get this, this, this master's in missional leadership, Perhaps the most eye-opening thing for me and, and all the students who, uh, all the ministers that have been trained in our ICLC fellowship in this program of missional leadership is how, one of the lessons is about communal learning versus individual learning. And, and in Middle Eastern culture, community learning is the name of the game. Communal aspect of everything. Even in the scriptures, I, I read it so much from a Western perspective at times. So when I read something, I almost always think it's in terms of me in the, the individual, the personal, you know, I personalize it. It's, it's only talking about me, but most of the time in the Bible, it's talking about a community that's learning. So even like repentance, yes, there's individual repentance, but it's often a community that's learning to repent. Same way in the Old Testament. You'll see different prophets or, or different people pray, and as they get up before the people, they pray and they ask God, they, they pray for repentance as a community, not just as an individual sin, but as a community they sin and they take responsibility as a community. So that's one of the amazing things that I personally learned from a Eastern perspective that is profound is, is when we talk, when Jesus talked about his disciples being with him, it was them physically being with him. And, but, but not just being with him, but learning to do 
learning, learning together, you know, in a group fashion where he had his three disciples, his 12 disciples, his 72 disciples, and they learned together. And this idea of community learning is something that stands out to me that is so profound that is different from Western perspective that it's about just learning by myself or individually. Think about how communal you are. Think about when you, when you, when you do life. Do you do it with a group of people or are you just kind of by yourself often? Are you, 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 you venture into something with business and, and you're just kind of, you don't really get input. You don't really, you know, seek the input of the community or the wisdom of the community and the fellowship. You just kind of do it all alone and, and be individualism is, is a big challenge in the West. And so, we learn communally in the New Testament, and it's a profound thing. It's changed the way I even look at the Bible. You know, in, in last semester, in my third semester, this is a picture of us where we travel with our professors. And what's interesting is not only do we travel with our professors, we travel with, with 15 of us in our cohort, and we live in the same house together. And the idea isn't just to save money. The bigger idea is that we, we get to be with our professors. We get to see them. We get to talk with them. We get to eat with them. We get to pray with them. We get to, they, they live with us, you know, and we get to, uh, spend time together and, and see, have different conversations and stories being shared. And, and, and this is an example of it right here. This, this guy in the middle, uh, sitting down there. He's from Ukraine and he's telling us about his faith from a Ukrainian perspective and just so much communal learning going on. And so, you know, the first thing that Jesus did, how he trained his disciples was that they were, they would learn together. They would be with him and and the group would learn together. The second thing is they would be sent out to preach and, and to drive out demons together. This idea of doing ministry and life together. Not separate, not individual, not be, by being alone, but to do it together. And I want you to be thinking about how communal of a person you are. Do you do things it, 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 as a group or is it just by myself? Um, and, and they, in the New Testament, they learn so much about communal life. And as well as in my third semester, uh, what was interesting is I, one of the things we did is we visited a church in North Carolina, this church called Citywell. And of course I found the tallest guy in the room, right? The tallest guy and the shortest guy connecting. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was great to fellowship with him. The guy on the bottom left there was their worship leader at Citywell. The man right in the middle, uh, he was a former professor at Duke Divinity School. And, and just learning how they look at church, how they do church, how they do things as a community. And, and what, what is unique about this church church that we visited everything they do is communally they they do service in a communal way they eat lunch together they 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 do refreshments together when they when they do the lord's supper they do it as a community in church physically we all stand up get up and go to the front and and that is the part of their service where it is a communal experience to experience the lord's supper in a group fashion the picture on the right is me standing with uh, one of the uh professors that we have as well we were going through the neighborhood and he was explaining how this is a neighborhood that has a local church there and the whole community is part that go to that church in that neighborhood and and that that community is is what brings them life you know because they're all together and they look at christianity in a communal way and it's a little different you know uh because 
from my perspective, I'm always going to a place where I have church, right? And it's not always in my neighborhood. It's not always in my city. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of how I've looked at Christianity before. Uh, so it's unique experiences. We, we may differ in doctrine, but what we're learning is different ways on and how to communally learn and do life together as a disciple of Jesus. And that's the most eye-opening thing for me. And so I want to close with a practical here. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 39 to 40, it says, He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. And over the next couple of months, I want to encourage us to get into a learning mode, a training mode, that there is so much to learn about God and his word. As we look at things from a Western perspective, but we also look at things from an Eastern perspective and, and to see what the Bible is about from these two perspectives. It's, it's very, very encouraging, you know, and I want to encourage us in that. And so here's the practical is, is that perhaps in the next four months, that we as a fellowship would, would perhaps engage discipleship like this in, in more of a communal way rather than just an individualistic type of way where we have communal learning and we live life together instead of just doing life separate. And so that's the practical I want to leave with us tonight. As you go into your discussion groups tonight, what's one thing that you learned about being a disciple tonight? As well as what is the spirit calling me to be or do in my life right now? What's one thing I learned about being a disciple tonight? So as we close, what did we learn? We learned that disciple in the Greek is matidis, which means student, which is absolutely biblical. And we must become students of Jesus. It's easy to look at it, though, just from the perspective of like when we go to school and I'm doing this for getting a grade. But that's not what this is talking about. In the Jewish rabbinical system, we're kind of opened up, it opens our minds and hearts to things from an Eastern perspective where we learn this term Talmud, which is a student, but it's more about being like our, being like the rabbi. And it's this idea of us following Jesus so closely that we're dusty. And so look at your neighbor and you go, are you dusty? Guys, you look like you got a lot of dust on you. (laughs) It's because they're following so closely. But in that rabbinical system, only the best were chosen. The rest learned the trade. And so when Jesus is this, when the four people, uh, men were called to be disciples, look at what they were doing. Their trade was fishermen. Simon, Andrew, James, and John weren't perhaps the best in the Jewish rabbinical model, but Jesus chose them anyway. And it's the idea of being chosen for a great calling and a great destiny is, is what being a disciple is all about. Well, how did Jesus train them? He called them to be with him. They got to be with their master where they got to learn everything about Jesus in a communal way. They were also sent out to preach and drive out demons. They learned to do ministry, to do life together, not individual. The practical about being a disciple is I, I hope that tonight our minds and hearts would be perhaps a little bit more expanded, a little bit more learning going on where we learn things from a communal perspective, where we learn to do life and we learn about God in a communal fashion. And so as we close tonight, I hope over the next four months, we would be able to hear Jesus in the background saying, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Thank you so much for your time, your attention. Have great discussion groups tonight. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. 
For more information about our ministry, please visit metrolaregion.com.